Welcome to the Disciples Dialogue, where believers celebrate their commonalities, share their testimonies, and edify the body of Christ. Each episode contains healthy conversations between Brother Jill and a guest speaker. Thanks for joining the Disciples Dialogue. Praise the Lord, everyone. Welcome back to the Disciples Dialogue. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have a a friend of mine, a true friend, and I'm so excited to have with me in my home tonight recording this episode, Brother Stephen Brubaker, a fellow brother in the church, First Apostolic Church of Radford. Uh, welcome, Brother Brubaker, to the Disciples Dialogue. Well, thanks for having me here. It's an honor. Hey, man, we're very excited about this conversation. Uh, as you can tell in the uh, the title, uh, this conversation that we're going to be having is on the topic of redemption. Uh, Brother Brubaker and myself have been talking about getting together and doing an episode for quite some time, and I think that there's no greater uh, topic that we could bring to the table tonight than redemption. Amen. I I am thankful that I have been redeemed and, um, and God is so good. And so, um, we're not going to delay. We're going to jump right into this conversation and hopefully it's a blessing to all the hearers. And so brother Brubaker, why don't you, um, just tell a little bit of your story and let people know who you are and where you come from and, and what's your redemption story. All right. Well, praise the Lord. Well, for years, probably from the time I was 18, maybe even earlier, up until just several years back, I was on many drugs, alcohol, you name it. I was at the bottom of the barrel. I was living in the pig pen of life, if you will. Mm -hmm. And God, I mean, he would reach for me, but mainly like when I was in jail and stuff, he would reach out and try to get me to get my attention. And I would pray there, here and there, but I never took it serious. You know, mm-hmm. I never would really fall in love with the word. Yeah. And then once I would get out, I didn't need him anymore. You know, I felt like the need wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So I would just fall back to the old ways. And then finally, I guess about five years ago, I fell in love with Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and one thing led to another. And the people from our church, thank God for them. Yeah. Thank God for our pastor and, and my boss, Brother Rusty, and, mm-hmm. and, and everybody, really, Brother Jesse, and yes. and you as well, uh, the love y'all showed me and just loved me to the cross, yeah. you know, because I was down there. You know, I was I was living in the muck and mire, and God pulled me out of it. And without him, I would probably be dead oh. or in prison for yeah. sure. Yeah. I'm still in prison. Oh. I go to prison, yeah. but, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but well. not on the same <laughs> On a different aspect. That That's day. right. So thank God. Prison ministry. Yeah, prison ministry. Yeah. yeah. So thank God he's brought me out of that and just turned my life around. And I I mean, I can never give him enough honor and glory for what he's done to me. Yeah. Yeah. So I really want people to understand, because some people who's going to listen to this, they know. They know you. Uh, a lot of our church family is going to listen to this, and they know your story. For those of you who don't know Brother Brubaker, um, however long this episode is going to be, whether it be an hour, even if we went for two or three hours, we're not going to plumb the depths of what all God has delivered you from. There's no way. There's no way. Uh, and I don't even know your whole story. I mean, I'm, I know a lot of it, and it's it's overwhelming to know that God was reaching for someone like you not to say that I was any better than you, but I mean, this, this story of redemption right now, we're talking about you, you were in a rough place. As bad as it comes, yeah, in and out of jail, like I say, just an absolute mess. I mean, a druggie. A druggie, a junkie, not just a druggie, a junkie. A junkie. I was as bad as they came. I yeah. mean, you name it, I did it. I, I was bound by every addiction there is. You yeah. Know? yeah, Every drug, alcohol, tobacco. Yeah. yeah. And so, broken family. Broken family, yeah. I, mean, you, you I, ha- I lost my children. I mean, I had two sons, lost them to the drugs. I loved them, yeah. but I loved the drugs more, and I hate to say that, but yeah. every time I wanted to be in their life, but this, every time the sickness came, that's all that mattered was mm. the drugs and and getting getting better, you know, to yeah. me. Yeah. And, and, and it led me down a path 
that only God could bring me out of. Yeah. Now, and to be clear, let me let me preface the rest of this conversation by saying we're not glorifying that lifestyle. Not at all. We are n- in no way, shape, or form glorifying uh, or or trying to put the spotlight on that lifestyle. That's what we're doing is we we want people to know that even at your darkest state, even the in the lowest point of your life, God was reaching for you. Always reaching. Always reaching. And and so the spotlight is on Jesus tonight. That's right. And, he and gets so all the glory. He gets all the glory. So uh, we will talk about a lot of uh, what you've experienced and a lot of your past, but it is all to bring glory to God and to say, look what he can do. Yeah, and if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. Yeah, so, yeah. And there's no doubt in my mind that there's people listening uh, to this podcast, even even now, uh, or who will listen, who are bound by addictions and they have drug addictions, alcohol addictions, marital problems, and children who are lost, and all kinds of because life is no respecter of persons. That's right. Right. Life doesn't care. Uh, the The enemy doesn't care who you are or what your background is. He's his goal is to destroy, to kill. And, and so he will stop at nothing to, to accomplish that goal. But tonight, we are going to um, have this conversation, and, and I really want to uh, probe into your life, if you would allow me to, um, to, to pry into your personal life a little bit, just so that people can really understand that you're not just some guy who smoked a little weed and, uh, you know, spent a couple nights in jail and then, and then all of a sudden you're a church boy. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking, this is, and there again, we're not glorifying it, but I'm talking about bottom of the barrel, almost the worst of the worst though. You know, I can only imagine because I was, I was, I wasn't as bad as you, um, comparably speaking, but I can only imagine that most people who, who would have, saw you 10 years, 20 years ago, would have said there's no hope for that guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, and in fact, they don't recognize me now because I'm not the same person. I mean, yeah. I can run into people from then, and they don't have a clue it's me mm. just because of how God's changed me. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit, like, uh, maybe what are some of the drugs that you were addicted to? Well, I was, uh, <clears throat> I started out with uh, pain pills mm-hmm. and then went down that road, started out with, like, you know, like lore tabs and stuff, and just eventually went to the needle, and and that, and that took me down that path. You know, mm-hmm. that darkness spiral, and then the meth came. Yeah, and and like say it got to where I was mixing it all together and doing it one time, mm-hmm. and and I mean overdose, especially with the way the world is now and the the things they're lacing all that with now. Yeah. I'm convinced that uh, had not God got me when He did, yeah, I would be dead. I'm sure. Wow. So, wow. So, so there again, we're not talking about just your pot, you know, regular pothead or peel head or whatever. I mean, I got into that stuff, but I never, I never picked up a needle. I never did right. those. I never did math or anything like that. And that's a whole different level of of addiction. And once you it gets a hold of you, you're bound by it. I mean, there's no way out. Uh, there's rehabs and stuff, but it's an endless cycle yeah. of hopelessness and despair. And, and until God can get a hold of you, the success, I mean, the you know, the, the people that come back from that are few and far between. And I thank God that I'm one of them, that he brought me out of that mess, you know, because there's so many that didn't. I've got uh, probably 90% of the friends that I run around with are dead now, mm. you know, from the overdoses and wow. and being killed for drug deals and yeah. what have you. Yeah. So... Paint a picture for us. Um, how how young were you when the drug started? I think I was around fourteen when I first. It started out with marijuana, mm-hmm. smoking a little pot, like you say, and yeah. then, and then it slowly progressed. Uh, I was running around with some older kids, and and then the pain pills came, not the real strong ones, but yeah. you know. And then, at first, I was just doing it to hang out, just to be cool, yeah, you know, just to say I did it, yeah. I, I didn't even like it; it made me sick because it was so strong. Mm. But then there comes a point in time where one day all of a sudden you don't have it and you, and it's no big deal. But then the sickness hits you, yeah. you know, and then, and then you're in, you're on withdrawals and then the withdrawals 
You know, it don't matter if you've got to sell your kids Christmas presents. It doesn't matter. I've done it all. I yeah. mean, you name it, I've done it. I've sold Christmas presents. Mm. And that's not nothing I'm proud of. And right. looking back, but I can't change it. But I don't know that I would now because I don't know that I would be where I am with God right now. Yeah. And I know I lost kids, and that's terrible. But, you know, the people that I'm going to be able to reach yeah. and just what he's done and, and how close I've got to him, you know, I don't know that it would have happened any other way. Right, right. How much time did you spend in jail? Or how many how many visits did you have? You I'm know? not sure of the number. I'm sure it was at least five or six. Uh, some of them three or four months. Yeah. Some of them, uh, you know, two or three days. Yeah. Uh, some of them more, just depending yeah. half the time. I didn't even know I was there. <laughs> I got you. Yeah. So let's fast forward a little bit. Um because I, the focus of this conversation is is on it, its redemption, and so the redemptive work. Obviously, even when you couldn't see it, God's hand was moving. God knew he he was scraping you off the bottom of that barrel, um, but he let you go through some stuff yeah. to mold you into who you are today. So, what's your relationship, or what was your relationship with God, even as a child, and even during all the drugs and all that? What was your relationship with God? Well, I was non-existent. Okay. I, I never really knew him when I was little. And like I say, the only time I ever tried to live for him was when I was locked up. Yeah. You know, I had the need in my life. Yeah. I had time on my hands. And and I would seek him at that time. Yeah. But that you know, that seed that should have fell on good ground, mm. it fell by the wayside. You know, the, the cares of the world and was choked out by the thorn. So uh, wow. and that's why, you know well, until you can fall in love with Jesus. Yeah. Uh I mean, my goodness. I think about it now, and I'm just amazed at where he's brought me from. And, I mean, not, I'm nothing. Don't get me wrong. I'm nobody. But but what he's brought me from, Yeah. my goodness, and him living inside of me, somebody like me. Mm-hmm. And if it hadn't been for me getting into the Word, like, I had a lot of doubt, and I had a lot of unforgiveness in my heart towards myself. Yeah. And I wasn't worthy, I didn't think. You know, God can't love me. Yeah. Uh, I'm just a sinner. And then when I got into the Word and got to reading about people like David that had, you know, killed Uriah the Hittite and mm-hmm. an adulterous relationships and a marriage out of wedlock with her, it gave me a little hope, you know. And then sure. I, I go on and I see where Paul or Saul at the time killed Stephen, uh, you know, yeah. or held or the, held, held the him get killed. Yeah, yeah held the coats for, and, and witnessed that. And yeah. I was like, my goodness, uh, he went on the right the majority of the New Testament, you know, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. Think about that. And just bottom of the barrel people, you yeah. know, some of them. Sure. The things they've done, if there's hope for them, there must be hope for me. And then and then just fall in love with the church, you know, having a church that was so loving and caring, that did a lot for me, you know. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't have somebody in your life that cares, you know, what do you have, yeah. really? Yeah. Uh, you, you can go to church all day, but if there's not people there that love you mm-hmm. and want to see you change and and genuinely love you. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're probably not going to make it very far. Yeah. So I I mean, you know, if you can find a church that actually loves you and is that's preaching the truth and in the book, you yeah. found something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That it seems like a a a thread that is woven throughout this conversation. I think it will be uh, genuine love, right? So you had to have genuine love for God. You had to fall in love with God, not just religion not jailhouse religion, you had to fall in love with Jesus. That's right. And then you you flip it and you talk about coming into the church and to have a church who genuinely loved you for who and you were. And my are. baggage, you know, I mean the baggage I brought. Yeah. And, and was never shunned or, or treated anything other than, you know, yeah, just a, a child of God, you know, and that's yeah. what it's about. Yeah. You know? So let me ask you this. Uh, so you're 14 years old. You get into the drugs. You in and out of jail. Family falls apart. You're at the bottom. How how do you get into the church? What did God do? How did He open the door for you to be able to come into the church? Well, see, that's just it too. So so He was constantly putting people in my path that I didn't even realize. You know, He was putting all these pieces together. Yeah. To make it happen. I mean. Even people that weren't living for God, he was placing there and, and, and eventually led me to the people that were. Mm-hmm. I, I know that sounds crazy, but I ended up with a job with my boss, Rusty, through somebody. He wasn't living for God, but it was just a chance encounter. Yeah. 
And then here you go. He says, well, let's go to work over here. I go to work over here. And then one of the, you know, one of the first places we go and do a foundation is at our pastor's house, yeah. you know, and, and, and he wasn't my pastor then, right. you know, uh, but him and brother Blake and I mean, just half the church was there, you know, yeah. <laughs> praise God. Yeah. So, uh, and, 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 you know, they, they were reaching, but I was still bound by addictions and, and I didn't want to hear about God or, mm-hmm. or any of that mess, you know, but, and, and they didn't shove it down my throat. They, they loved me to the cross genuinely. Yeah. And praise God for that, because, like I say, who knows? Who knows where I would be? Yeah, that's. I remember when our pastor was having his home built, and I went over there, and of course, y'all are in the foundation business, and so y'all were doing the foundation. I don't think that's any coincidence either. No, uh, that you you just happen to get into the foundation business, and here God's establishing your foundation, right? Something Amen. for you to build upon, uh, which is such a beautiful thing. But uh, and then not to make this about me because it's not, but uh, how God moved in my life to get me and put people in my path, like you said, to to get me up here to Virginia from Georgia and just happen to meet pastor's wife in a mall parking lot. Like that's, those things don't just happen. No, they don't happen. That's divine order and God literally reaching in and moving pieces of that puzzle into place to bring uh, bring together in full full view of the world, everything that needs to be there in order to save one soul. So you got to think about all the pieces that he moved just to get Brother Stephen where he needed to be working on that property, on that foundation for that man who ended up being a pastor who was called by God. And And so God's not just worried about Brother Stephen. He's worried about Brother Justin. He's worried about Pastor Hall. He's worried about Brother Blake and Brother Rusty. He's worried about all of his children, and he's moving in every one of them's life to bring them into one place to save each of them individually, but then to do a collective work holy. Wow. Ain't that amazing? That's amazing. It's it's It blows my mind to think about the extent to which God goes to save a soul. He's one of his children. And so... Um, so if you could expound a little bit more, so you, you, you're you working this job, did they invite you to church? They say, turn or burn, what was the, you know, what was it that made you say, okay, I'll come? Okay, so what happened was, so originally we were working on that, and, and they invited us all, but my, my boss, Rusty, he started going. Okay. And, and I began to see a change in him, how he talked and how he acted. And I knew I wanted some of that because I mean, Rusty, he's a good guy, but he has his past. We all do, yeah. You know, but I could I noticed a difference, and I wanted some of that. You know, I think we're all hungry for something genuine. Yes. And and when you see somebody that that begins to change, and you know where your life's at, and you know you need a change, you know, and and I wasn't as bad off at that point as I had been, mm-hmm. but. I mean, I had a long ways to go. Sure. And 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 like I say, just watching how they came in touch with God, it made me want it. And mm. so once I started going, and God, he didn't cut everything out of my life at once. He, it wasn't like a sword. It was more like a scalpel. You know, he'd cut this out, mm. and he'd cut that out. Just little things, you know. Yeah. And I'm sure, Pastor, there was times he was probably ready to pull his hair out. <laughs> I'd go one day, I wouldn't come back for a month. <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, but I mean, but they kept loving me and then uh, yeah. they called and then, and then, uh, you know, the crazy thing happened. So uh, I start doing better, getting on the right track after that. And I get my license back. Everything starts to go smooth. Mm-hmm. You know, everything for the first time in my life, I'm, I'm feeling like, you know, God's doing a thing in my life, yeah. you know, thank God. Mm-hmm. And then my past comes back. <clears throat> so I'm sitting at a truck stop, eating a biscuit. Pumping gas, and up walks two county cops. They want my ID, yeah. and I wasn't worried. I had a driver's license, wasn't doing anything illegal at this point. Mm-hmm. And then they tell me, "Well, you're wanted from 2014." Oh, you know, <laughs> was, man. And the wind it just come right out of my sails. You know, yeah, it yeah. was like my goodness. But they they take me to the magistrate, and he says, "No bond." You know, I'm in handcuffs and just I'm in shock. Yeah, you know? yeah. I was like, I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. And this was from five years ago. Trying to go to church. Trying to go to church, living right. Yeah. And I mean, I wasn't perfect, but my goodness, from where I'd come from, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so the magistrate, he says no bond. And no bond means you're not getting out until you see a judge. 
So I had made it up in my mind. It didn't matter what happened. I was going to sing songs about him, and I was going to praise him, you know. And that's all I knew at that point was just praising. Yeah. Seek the face of God. So that's what I did. And so I'm thinking, Lord, help me get out of this this mess. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so the guard comes by, and I'm like, buddy, I've been here 30 hours. Can you get me back into population? And I never get him looking at me, and he said, I don't know who your lawyer is, but you're not going out the back. You're going out the front. <laughs> and I was like, there's no possible way. I'm in here with no bond. Yeah. That doesn't happen. Right. It just don't happen. Yeah. Well, it happened, you know, and what it was, I didn't realize that other people saw that change in me too, you know, our church family, yeah, my boss, these people, they knew, uh, he's not perfect, but he's, he's trying mm-hmm. and they put things in order to help me get out, you know, and they, they were there and I mean, and that opened my eyes, you know, and that's when I got serious was whenever he walked me out of that prison Man. <laughs> or that jail cell, you know. Walked I mean, out the front door. Yeah, I walked out the front door. And I knew he had to be wrong because you don't, that don't happen. Yeah. You know, I, I thought he had me mixed up with someone else. Mm-hmm. But sure enough, I walked out and that's when I decided I'm going to get serious because I made a prayer. I said, God, help me to get closer to you. You know, I just want more of you. I was falling in love with Jesus, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, you better be careful with a prayer like that because he might just give it to you. Yeah. So, so I go to court, and when I go to court, they're like, "Well, you can have this felony, or you can do this 250 hours of community service in a year." Mm-hmm. And I knew when I go and see my probation officer, he the first thing he asked me is, "You know a church where you can do 250 hours <laughs> of community service?" And and it wasn't how I thought God should do it. I, I right. didn't think he should. That's not how I thought he should handle that prayer, but it's exactly what I needed. Yeah. That's what drew me into him was, I mean, you'd be amazed at how close you can get just working for the kingdom. Yeah. Even if it's on community service, just doing something, yeah. it draws you in, you know. And we begin to get, develop a relationship, you know. And and praise God. That's what brought me. That's why I'm sitting here right now. Wow. Yeah. Man, yeah. That's, that is, that's so beautiful. That's amazing. And redemption this is this is redemption right to redeem is the action of saving or being saved from sin from error or from evil and he does it in the most unconventional ways and it just only the only way that god could do it right if it was man-made it would fall apart it would have fell apart it would have fell apart you could not you could not write a better story but when God authors your story yeah. and your future, when you let him have the pen and the paper and just say, okay, God, you're, you're in control. You're writing it now, whatever you want. He makes a way. And so I think that that's so, that's so God-like for him to say, yeah, I know where you can spend 250 hours at. <laughs> yeah. How about a church? <laughs> yeah, you know, a, a, An apostolic church. <laughs> it wasn't what I was hoping he would do, but it's what I needed. It's you what know? you need. It's what I needed. And so let me just let me share a quick something before we move on because this is so – uh, so familiar um, because of what God did with me. So I'm, I'm at working at a great place um, several, several, several years, maybe 10 years ago or something like that. I had been there four years doing great, man. I moved up from, I started as a temp, a temporary employee, moved my way up full time, moved my way up in the leadership. Uh, man, I was on, I was like taking advantage of everything that would come my way. I was moving up in the company I was uh, over the safety department. I was over all these things, and God was blessing me, and, and it was great. But I was living in sin. I yeah. mean, ain't no doubt. I, I could not. It was a cesspool of an environment. I didn't want to live for God at that point. Um, but this was also the same time when I met uh, my pastor's wife. My, my wife and myself were in that parking lot. And she just happened to be there, and hey, we're planning a church in Radford, and yeah, big coincidence, yeah, right? big coincidence, <laughs> right? And so, and I'm moving up at my job and all this stuff, and so through the process of time, and I, I'll make this story as short as possible. I wanted, I, I had a desire to get closer to God, but I was like, man, there's, there's no way I can do it here, you know, and I, and I knew that I never voiced it, but I knew I, I'll never get close to God. There's too much influence here, right? On my job, it's just too much influence. I mean, I was I was dipping on the job, cussing, lying to my wife when I got home, hiding things from her. It was bad, and but I was moving up in this company, and everything was great. And then one day, I walk in, start my shift. 
I get I get pulled into human resources office. I'm a good employee. Okay, I try hard to do my job right, and they pull me in there and they say, you know, hey, X, Y, and Z has happened, and we had a a quality control issue on your part, and you you know it's going to cost the company X amount of dollars, and and it was a you know even if it was my fault, it was a mistake. And I thought, okay, well, slap me on the wrist, and, and I'll learn from my mistake, and I'll go on. Um, but they said, you, you don't have a job here anymore. Mm. You're four years in, you're gone. Never got in trouble, you know. Really, never been written up. Never, and you just lost your job. And the wind was taken okay. out of my sails. Right? I mean, it was, it was awful. I was that's devastated. A God moment. Yeah, that's a God moment where He's intervening. Yeah, yeah, He's intervening. I didn't think it was a God moment. Yeah, I was thinking, God, where are you? Yeah, yeah. How am I going to tell him my wife? Yeah. Is? <laughs> and so here's what I did, brother Stephen. I I went. I walked out the the plant. I was I was I was shook. Walk out of the plant. I go to my truck, and before I ever called my wife, I remember getting in my truck, taking a deep breath, and I said, "Okay, God, if you're taking this job from me, then I believe that you've got something better that you're going to provide." And I said, "I trust you." Now I didn't. Ha- I wasn't Holy Ghost filled. hadn't I don't. I didn't know anything. All I knew was I wanted something different. I wanted to change my life. And then I just lost my job. And I said, I trust you, God. And I called my wife. I said, look, I just lost my job. I don't know what we're going to do. And then long, long story short, I could have a a whole series on how this unfolded. But the long story short, um, I ended up getting a job with the pastor of this church who runs this business. And he's a plant manager here. And he's like, hey, you want a job? And I was like, well, yeah, I need a job. And I tell you one thing that'll make you clean up your act real quick. Go work for your pastor. Yeah, right? exactly what you needed. Exactly what I because God knew I could not change mm-hmm. in that environment. He says I'll put you in an environment where you're not comfortable talking like that anymore. You're not you're not willing to cuss like that anymore. You're not willing to dip and do all this stuff. You will change because you you know God knew the kind of person I was. I had too much respect for a, a preacher to do those things in front of him. And and so there again, it didn't happen overnight. It was a process. But God redeemed me. Mm. But he had to take me to a very low place before it could happen. And looking back, you can probably always see he was there. Oh, yeah. I can. I can. 100%. When I look back, I can see he was always drawing me, yes. always reaching. Yes. The only person that can get in the way of that is you. Yeah. And And I was. I was the one getting in the way. Yeah. And until I submitted to that, Mm. And was obedient and allowed him to actually do something with my life. Yeah. Uh, it would have never changed, you know. So yeah. obedience, you know, and, and that's what I strive to be. I, I strive for obedience just to when God says to do something or, or when he makes a way, I try to be obedient to that. Yes. Even if it's uncomfortable. Even if it's uncomfortable. Even if it's not how you would have done it. And I, I almost can guarantee myself now that, it's not going to be the way that I would have done it. Yeah. Right. Because I'm a human. I'm, I'm walking around in, in this fleshly vessel. And so, um, it's a, it's like a, my life is a blessing, but it's also a, a curse to be born a sinner. And, and I'm walking around in this flesh. And the, the Bible says that the flesh is enmity against God. It hates to do the will of God, but here I am a fleshly vessel and I've got to wrestle with this all the time. And so, when God is trying to get me from point A to point B, well, he might decide, hey, I, I know the best route. You know, I'm going to have to take you through an uncomfortable area, through the, through a wilderness. You know, I, Jesus said I must need to go through Samaria. That's not the way they would have went usually, but God does things different. He intervenes. He does things his own way because his ways are higher than our ways. Amen. Right? His ways are better than our ways. And the reason why our the way we would do things does not work and God chooses to do them a different way is because of our own selfish motives. Yeah. Right? Because you're going to make whatever decision appeases your flesh. Right. That's what you're going to do. That's what you're 100% of the time, unless you're being led by the Spirit, you're going to make the decision that best suits your flesh. Mm. It's what's least painful. What's the most convenient? How do I feel the best about it? You know, how do, does it feel good? All these things is my flesh going to be satisfied? And so when you when you relinquish that control over to God and you say, you know what, if you're writing my story, 
if you've got to take that eraser and just scribble a lot of a lot of myself out of the way, get me out of the way. Yeah, get me out of the way. I don't want to. I don't want to have my hand in it because I'll mess it up every time. Every time, man. Redemption. There's some scriptures I want to talk about, and I want to get your. You know, we'll just kind of flow in this and see. But I did want to bring some scriptures into this. Um, Luke twenty one twenty eight says, and when these things begin to come to pass, then look up. And lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. There is a an expectation on our part, I believe, Brother Stephen, that we must have if we are to um, experience the redemption that God wants to bring into our lives. You, you've got to want it. You've got to want it. You've yeah. got to want it. It's not God is a perfect gentleman. I've heard it said, and he would he's not going to force himself on you. He would have never forced you out of that lifestyle, but what he does is, you know, the scripture says, Jesus said, I stand at the door and I knock. Yeah. Let me in. And if it's not, if it's, if it's comfortable, it's not a sacrifice. Mm. And it's, and it's going to be uncomfortable. Yes. I mean, when he's working on you like that, I mean, it takes sacrifice and it takes obedience, you know? Yeah. And I just want to be obedient. I want, if he has to take me out of my comfort level to bring me where he wants me, then like you say, let me get myself out of the way. Yeah. Work on me. Erase me. Do whatever you need to do. Just get me out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. I know you did some studying uh, on redemption as far as it being found in the Word of God. Uh, if you want to talk about that. And while, while you're pulling that up, uh, let me say that I, I loved um, I loved the Scripture in Psalm 111, verse number 9, um, that says, He sent redemption unto his people he hath commanded his covenant forever holy and uh, reverend is his name so he sent redemption unto his people and that is a you know the psalmist is writing here this is a direct uh, correlation to the life of jesus right you know he was redemption right he redeemed the world unto himself through the blood of jesus christ through his own blood you know, he says, no man takes my life from me, but I lay it down of myself. He was redeeming humanity unto himself. To redeem is to to, to get back, right? right? Uh, and so go ahead with what you've found in your study. Okay, so in, in the Bible I found the word redemption is used 20 times. The word redeem is used 56 times. Mm. Redeemed, 62. Redeemest once. Redeemer 18 times, redeemeth twice, and redeeming three. So that tells me the Bible is a love story about redemption. Yes. That's what it's about, I think. And if they use the word that many times, it must be important. Yeah. I mean, you know, to to go on about it that much. And, And every story in the Bible you find about all of them is about redemption. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look at uh, Mordecai and, and Esther and all the Jews. You know, Hanan had set up gallows to destroy Mordecai. Mm-hmm. That was his goal, he, and not just him. He was going to kill them all. He was going to wipe the whole all the Jews out. Sure. Around. Yeah. But God took what Haman meant to destroy him mm-hmm. and destroyed him. Yeah. Destroyed yeah. Haman on him, and I think that's what God does with our testimonies. Mm-hmm. He says that might not be much, but I can use that. Yeah, that's right. I, just like Pastor said, with the with the staff, Moses' staff, mm-hmm. he said, I can use that. Yeah, what do you got? What do you got? I can use it. And yeah. that's what we have, Yeah, our testimony. Wow. And if we'll give it to him, turn our lives over to him, he'll use that. Yeah, that's why the Scripture says, we are made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Amen. Right? So if we, the fact that you and I are sitting here having this conversation makes us overcomers. Yeah. This is... It's the blood of the lamb, what Jesus did on Calvary, but it's also the second ingredient there is the fact that we are testifying to the whole world. I'm putting this out to the whole world. You need to know what Jesus did in our life. Right. Jesus was the thing. You know, it's like in the Chosen series, I once was this way, but now I'm another, and the thing that happened in between was him. Right. Right? That's redemption. That's redemption. That's redemption. He's so... Good and and I don't you know 
I don't, we don't have notes here really. We've, we're just flowing in conversation, but uh, scriptures are popping into my mind left and right. The scripture says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He's not waiting on you to get cleaned up. He didn't wait on you to brother Stephen to get cleaned up before he came and reached you. He reached you. He was reaching for you and sent people into your life while you were yet a sinner. Right, right. That's redemption. And we need to tell people about it. Uh, You know, Psalms 107 and 2 says, Let the redeemed the Lord say so. Yeah. Whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. I mean, my goodness. (laughs) Uh, I think we should say so. Yes, yes. Uh, Brother Hall, he told a story one time. at Brother uh, Randy Hall, Uh he told a story one time about a lady that had came into church. And every time the pastor would say something, she'd stand up and say, so. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so it went on and yeah. on. And after a couple of weeks of this, they finally called her in the office and was like, hey, what's going on here? You know, yeah. am I saying something wrong? And then she quoted that scripture. And I mean, that changed everything. Yeah. You know, let the redeemer say so. I'm going say to so. say so, you know, <laughs> and that's good. Yeah, know? it is good. Mm. Man, so I remember after he said that a couple, you know, the next couple of services, everybody, somebody make a good point out of the word and everybody just say, so? So? Yeah, <laughs> let, let redeem of the Lord say so. That's so, so good. So good. Uh, Psalm 137 and 8, scripture says, let Israel hope in the Lord for with the Lord there is mercy and with him is plenteous redemption mm. and he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Man, I'm telling you, that's me. That's you. That's every listener today. Everybody who's listening to this, you need to quote that scripture over your life. Psalm 137 and 8. Let Israel hope in the Lord. He is where my hope is. He is where my hope is. My hope is no longer in the drugs or the alcohol or the relationships or the money. My hope is in Jesus Christ. Amen. And here's here's what. So, so Galatians 3 and 13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by being made a curse. For us it is written, Cursed be every man that is hangeth on a tree. Mm. He hung on a tree for us. Yeah. He took our curse. You know, he took our sin. My goodness. Yeah. He redeemed us. He became I, sin he became that sin. knew no sin. Right. My the perfect. Goodness. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Praise God. Dude. We're, and we're not worthy. No, it not wasn't worthy. because of our, you know, we were special. Right. And we're not. Right. We, and he wants us to take that to other people. Yeah. It's not just for us. No. You know, if we're not sharing our testimonies, then how are we going to be overcomers? Yeah. So we've got to we've got to become a Peter. Right. Right. Acts chapter 10. Pastor mm-hmm. Hall's been preaching the paint off the walls <laughs> right. recently about, about how God in his redemptive love toward even the Gentiles said, yeah, it's, it's to the Jews first. Of course it is, you know, it's to the Jews first, but there's going to be a time Peter where you can't call unclean what the Lord says is clean. Clean. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because there's a brother Steven out there and I know he looks dirty to you. I know he looks like a mess. He looks messed up. But don't call unclean what the Lord says is clean. I'm redeeming him. Right. And there's going to be a day that you might have, you might have to sit next to him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and you might have to witness to him. Yeah. So I mean, wow. Yeah. Peter, that's so, so great. When Peter, he's you know the Bible says in Acts ten, I believe it was that Peter went up on the rooftop to pray. He's waiting on supper to get done. And he goes up on the rooftop to pray. And I think it's so ironic that Peter, the one who held the keys to the kingdom, you know, upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. That Peter, Peter goes up on the rooftop to pray. You know, the, the rooftops in, in uh, Israel, in the ancient world, they were most of the time built flat for that purpose. They would serve multiple purposes, but one of them were a lot of the times people go on their rooftops to pray. It was just a place that they liked to pray. So they would go up there, and this is what Peter was doing. He goes up there to pray and to talk to God. And then the Lord literally gives him a vision, lets down this net, uh, this sheet knit from the four corners, and, and has all these animals. And God says, rise and eat, Peter. And God says, not so. I would never do that. And and so, and Peter 
I, I, this is just, I see a lot of myself in this. God redeems me. God saves me. And then he's like, all right, Brother Teal, go out there and, and that coworker of yours that's an absolute mess, that druggie, that one under the bridge, go talk to them because I'm trying to save them too. And I'm like, oh, not so, Lord. Wow. I, I've got church stuff to do. I've got to, you know, I've got to keep my, I'm, I'm, I'm too good for that. You know, I've been, I don't want to get around that crowd anymore because I'm, I'm clean. And he's more important than all the church stuff you're doing. Yeah, it's exactly right. And that's why Jesus said, the Lord looked at him and said, Peter, don't call unclean what I've, what I've called and declared is clean. And so I just feel like we, that, that spirit of Peter, that we miss it so much. We think that the, you know, going to church on Wednesday and Sunday and Sunday night and prayer meeting on Tuesday and outreach events and all that. We think that that's really what it's all about. It's not about that. Now, granted, you need the church. You need to be in church. You need to do outreach. You need to pray. All those things are good. Right. But it's not about that. It's about souls. About reaching the lost. It's about reaching the Gentiles, Peter. Don't forget your purpose. Wow. God didn't save Brother Brubaker for Brother Brubaker. Right. He saved you to go win somebody else. Right. To go talk to the other person, the other drug addict, the other one that lost their kids, the other one that whose marriage fell apart. He saved you so you could go back out there and say, come on, I'm going to take you to somebody who changed my life. Wow. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. Redemption. And I'm going to see it. I want to be there. I want to be a part of it. You're going to be. You know? God is good. I hope y'all feel, listening to this, what I feel. Amen. Oh, redemption. Redemption. Hebrews 9 and 12 says, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Jesus Christ. God manifest in the flesh saw fit for him to step down into this world and become sin who knew no sin and and the, and the scripture says having obtained eternal redemption for us how did he do that by overcoming death hell and the grave and becoming the sinless lamb slain from the foundation of the world what Jesus did on Calvary paid the way so that you and I could be redeemed. And he did it while we were yet sinners. Yeah, in spite of us. In spite of us. My goodness. <laughs> oh, man. If Constantly you, drawing. Yeah. I mean, my goodness. Now, listen, don't, don't, don't get us wrong. God does not condone your sins, neither do we, or, or your, your, your sins or even your good actions, really. You know, God does. Yeah, we're not saved by works. I mean, we're not saved by works, but. God is not what he did on Calvary. We can't equally, equally, we cannot write this off and say, well, you know, Jesus died for my sins. And so therefore I can do whatever I want. And I'm still going to make it to heaven. That's not what we're saying. That's not what the Bible's saying. No, it's not a once saved, always saved thing. No, it's not. That's not even biblical. What we're saying, what the Bible is saying and the writer of Hebrews is saying is that all the things that, you know, all these animals that they would kill them and shed their innocent blood, trying to, make remission and and a covering and atonement for their sins. That was the old way. But when Jesus came, he said, I'm not come to destroy the law. I'm come to fulfill. I fulfilled all that. And so now there's no need for the goats and the calves and their blood to be shed. I was the spotless lamb slain from the foundation of the world and by his own blood entered into that holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. And that us is, it encapsulates all of us, all 8 billion people alive right now and the other 8 billion that's already passed and the next generation that's to come. Every one of us, our sins were already paid for. Our redemption has already been paid for on the cross. My goodness. And I want to be covered by that blood. But not only me, I want to bring somebody with me. I've heard it said that if you go to heaven... You're not going to go alone, but if you go to hell, you're not going to go alone there either. No, either so, way. So you're taking somebody with you, yeah. and I'm taking somebody with me. Uh, yeah. As many people as I can grab. You know, I want to reach those. Yeah. I, I want to use my testimony Yeah. to help others, you know, that's been through that path. Yeah. You know, uh, we might know 
God's love, but they don't, you know. And, and I want to show them that. I want to lead them to that, you know. Uh, we're all leaders of some sort, you know. Absolutely. And what what people see of us, you know, do they see the guy that's 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 praying, or do they see the guy cussing the waitress? You know what I mean. Mm. So I want to be the guy that's light. Yeah. At all times, I don't want to. I want to push back the darkness. It's time to push. It is. Oh man, it's time to. Push. It's time to push. <laughs> it is time to push. Now again. We're not perfect. We're not perfect. And and as good as a person as you are, Brother Stephen, you're not perfect. Mm-mm. And tomorrow's Tuesday, you're probably going to make a mistake. But there's blood for that. There's blood for that. And, and it needs to be covered by that blood. Yeah. Because as long as you're breathing and as long as you relinquish that control and you say, look, God, I'm not in control of my today. You are. And when I make a mistake, when I mess up, when I fall flat on my face, I'm going to say, Lord, cover me with that spotless blood. Let the blood of the Lamb cover me in all my sins so that I can continue to be that work of redemption. I can continue to be redeemed unto you. The Bible talks about that, how he's redeeming the world unto himself, pulling us back in. And so, no, you're not perfect. You're not going to be perfect until you hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But while we're here, as long as we're living under the blood, trying to do the best we can, but when you mess up, get it under the blood and pull somebody out of the fire. Yeah, because once that door shut, yeah, it's shut. Yeah, I think the book of Jude. I think it's the book of Jude that says, "Pulling them out of the, out fire. Of the fire." Yeah, you know that's what we've got to do. Yeah, we've got to reach into the fire and grab them. We've got to get. We've got to get in their area. We've got to get in their habitat and draw them out. We're yeah. not going to do it uh, from the church every day. No. We're going to have to get out there in them streets, yeah. and we're going to have to get out there where the sin's happening. I'm not saying we need to partake, No. but but you're not going to reach them. That's right. Unless you're in their area trying to get a hold of them. You're going to have to knock on doors. Yeah. You know, you're going to have to go to places you're not comfortable with. Yeah. He's going to draw you out of that comfort zone. Yeah, and and don't do it with a judgmental attitude. Right. When you go to the, if you go to the bar, and stand outside of the bar trying to reach people who have problems with alcohol, praise God for that. Reach them, people. Pull them out of the fire. But don't stand there with a, you know, a judgmental attitude and say turn or burn. That's not the message of That's Jesus. Not the message. No, he won them with love. He won them with love, and so we must do the same thing. Pulling them out of the fire. Paul said, "I became all things to all men that I might win some." Mm. Now, he didn't, that's there again, to your point, he's not saying, you know, to the drug addicts, I got on drugs so that I could reach them. That's, right. You're not going to help anybody. No, you're not going to help a soul, yeah. yeah you're you're going to be you're lost gonna, yourself. You're going to be lost, yeah, yeah. yeah. But what he's saying was, I never judged the sinner so bad that I was unwilling to reach them. You know, I was, I never, he never got so proud that he forgot where God had pulled him from. Mama. Paul reached thousands, maybe millions, I don't know, of people with the gospel going from from place to place and telling people, preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's what he would do. In the prisons, he would preach. I mean, it didn't matter where he was. Synagogues, in front of the great men and, and those of low estate. And just, he didn't care what happened. I mean, they, they stoned him. I yeah. mean, all the things that happened. He was shipwrecked three times. I mean, yeah. just the amazing amount of things that happened to him. Yeah proclaiming the gospel so that don't mean just because you're proclaiming the gospel that it's going to be smooth sailing yeah it's going to be rough yeah i mean uh, he calls us out of comfort you know if he it does. was comfortable it wouldn't be a sacrifice right you know? and and so here think about this this just came to me we're, we're talking about jude pulling them out of the fire you ever had something fall on a fire and then you had to get it out it hurts it hurts it, it may not be comfortable to reach into the fire you're taking a risk. You're taking a risk. It, it, you might have to get your hands dirty. Yeah. But if you can salvage something, if you can pull something to safety by reaching into those flames and saying, look, you're not, you're not staying there. Yeah, because somebody reached in there for you. Yeah, yeah. You know, Jesus that. went into the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Amen. Oh, he could have waited on them to come out and said, I'm, I'm right here waiting. No, he said, I'm going in he after him. Yeah. <laughs> My goodness. He went in after him. Wow. Oh, my goodness. That's good. Listen, I, I hope that y'all have enjoyed this as much as I have. God is doing a redemptive work, 
and the blood of the lamb is for you and it can cover a multitude of sins. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've been involved in. You haven't went too far. You're never too far. As long as you're breathing, there's still hope. There's hope. But you got to get the blood. You got to get it under the blood. Get it under the blood. Don't live there. Yeah, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. Yeah. And be filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts 2.38. Acts 2.38. John 3 and 5. Mm. Except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. Folks, I want to make it. You can make it. And I'm going to see it happen. Oh, yes. We're going to see things this year. We're already seeing it. Yes. The seeds that's been planted, my goodness. I've seen it. We've seen, Brother Stephen, 11 notable miracles this year already. It's January 30th, and we've seen already 11 notable miracles with my own eyes. And it's because somebody got hungry. Somebody pushed. Yeah. And and, and it's time to push. It is time. I'm, I'm with my pastor. My pastor... I mean, my goodness. Yeah. It's time to push. It's time to push. My goodness. Well, we could talk all night, and we might do it after we uh, stop this recording, but uh, we're going to bring this episode to a close here. But, man, Brother Stephen, thank you so much for coming and sitting down and and having this conversation about the redemption that Jesus is offering unto us. Thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure having you here today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Well, listen, folks. We pray that you're blessed wherever you are. We're praying for all the listeners all over the world, that God be with you and God bless you. And until next time, we pray that you pulling somebody else out of the fire, just because he did a work in you doesn't mean that you're done. Go reach into the flames and pull somebody else out. God bless you, and we'll be talking to you next time.